Scout. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. My name is David Vignola, your humble host. We are at episode 39. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. This week, I'm going to give you four steps or tips to better recordings in the home studio environment. Four steps that you can take to make sure your recordings are as good as possible in your home studio. That's what we're going to talk about this week. So sit down, relax, get yourself a cool drink, and I'm going to give you some advice. Get yourself a pad and a pan, write down, take some notes. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share, and stay till the end of the podcast because I'm going to give you a couple of free gifts. So let's talk about it. Four tips to better recordings right now, right here on the Home Recording MadeEasy.com podcast. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week here at the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. I'm your host, David Vignola. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We are at episode number 39. We're almost at the big four zero, 39 episodes. And I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart from listening from the very beginning. Many of you have been listening since episode one. I never thought there would be an episode five, let alone an episode 39. <laughs> so it's all because of you guys is the reason why. I continue to do these podcasts. You guys give me some great ideas on things you want me to talk about. You guys are listening and downloading the podcast. I can see that by my analytics, and I really do appreciate that. So that being said, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and give me a good review, if you would, on your favorite podcast uh, listening platform, whether it's iTunes or iHeart or Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast, or even if you're on YouTube listening. I also post this on YouTube. Make sure you give me the thumbs up and share. If you would, it really does help me. And leave some comments below. The more interaction you can do with me, the better off it's going to be for me. And I can continue to do this for you. So help me help you. So that's what I would like from you. And I want to say thanks once again. So this week, we're going to talk about four steps. I'm going to give you four steps to a better recording in the home studio environment or four tips, whatever. Some of these I've talked about in other podcasts, other ones I haven't. There are many more than four. But if you're someone who's new to recording at home and you want to get off on the good foot, and get doing things the right way from the beginning to give yourself the best chance of getting a really good solid recording. So when you go to mix and master, it sounds as good as possible. Keep these four tips in mind, and I'm sure there'll be a part two to this coming up, a part two to this coming up sometime soon. So having said that, tip number one, this is obvious, but you know what? It's it's worth being said. You want good quality equipment <laughs> if you can possibly get that mics preamps interfaces instruments right amplifiers right you need a good musician obviously and you need a good song obviously that's on you i can't help you with that but what i can help you with is you know have some good quality stuff if you can some of you know a lot of you do obviously this is a no brainer but inside of your studio there's always a weakest link as far as equipment and gear goes if you have a good quality microphone and you have a good quality mic cable, and you have a good quality interface and or preamp to record that with that microphone, and you have a good good quality, say, guitar amplifier if you're a guitar player, or a bass amp, or if you're a drummer, a good quality drum kit. Now, good quality doesn't necessarily mean it has to be overly expensive, but we've talked about some of this stuff in the in the previous episodes where we talked about there are certain pieces of gear you get what you pay for and you want to be careful about that. Okay? 
You don't want to plug, for example, I say it all the time, you don't want to plug a $1,000 large diaphragm condenser microphone into a $99 interface with a crappy preamp that was made in China. No offense to China, no offense to that preamp, and no offense to that interface because you can still record music with it, but your system is only as good as your weakest link. You're not, in that example, getting the best out of that microphone. You're not hearing it, hearing it at its optimal when you're using real inexpensive gear with a nice piece of gear. It doesn't always work that way. Now, there are exceptions to this rule, certainly, but it's something to keep in mind. Same thing with like guitar amplifiers and those kinds of things. You know, if you're a guitar player, record good quality amps, right? You want it to sound good. You want something that is of quality. So I know that is an obvious one, and you're probably like, no kidding, Dave. Well, but you'd be surprised, man. The reason why I'm making this podcast episode is because I do lots and lots of Skype and Zoom training sessions with a lot of my followers, students, and clients, and we talk mostly about home studio gear, recording and mixing, and it's usually for folks that are, you know, that are new or fairly new or getting back into it after long periods of time, and this thing come, this kind of topic comes up all the time all the time. So what seems obvious to a lot of you that are listening is not obvious to a lot of people. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not dumb people. They're smart people. It's just, they just don't realize. And that's what I'm here to, to point out the obvious and to help you. Okay. So you can go back through the archive of all the different podcast episodes where I talk about different specific name brands about, you know, specific gear and stuff. So you could check that out or you can always send me an email if you have a question about something you know, specific and what do I recommend. I'm always answering emails like that as well. Um, but good, good quality equipment, obviously, uh, is going to make a huge difference, assuming you're a good player or you have good players and you have a good song. Tip number two or step number two to getting good recordings in the home studio environment or in any environment for that matter. But we're a home studio channel, so that's what we're talking about, is learn basic recording techniques and learn how to use the gear and the equipment that you have and learn how to use it to its optimum level. Okay, so recording techniques. If you're someone that's not familiar with recording and getting good quality recordings, you may want to take some training. There's lots of available resources online these days, including good old Uncle Dave here at Home Recording Made Easy, but there are many, many others. And there's also a lot of free information on YouTube. Again, at Home Recording Made Easy and other YouTube channels. But you want to learn basic recording techniques for guitar, for example, for guitar amplifier. How do you mic up a guitar amplifier? What kind of guitar mic, what microphone do you use? How do you position it um, in front of the amplifier? How far away? I mean, it's all experimentation, but what are some good guidelines? Those are good things to know. If you're recording vocals, how far away for the vocal, how far away, excuse me, from the vocalist's mouth should the microphone be? If you don't know, you don't know. Should you use a pop filter? Hmm, I don't know. Should you? These are all part of learning basic recording techniques. Drums, more, much more challenging, much more involved. Recording drums, you're recording a live drum kit with acoustic, acoustic drums, lots of microphones. Where do you place them? How do you place them? What kind of microphones do you choose? How do you make sure you don't have all kinds of phase problems during the recording? Those are all things that you want to learn about. Now, none of it is complicated. That's the good news. This is not really difficult stuff. It's just anyone listening to this, I'm sure, can do this with a little bit of guided training. But if you learn good basic recording techniques, you are going to start off with a really good raw recording of your song. And therefore, when we get to other topics and other episodes about mixing in there and then mastering and finally releasing your song to the world, it'll sound as good as it can sound. Okay, 
The other thing is I kind of touched on is learn how to use the gear, you know, especially if you have gear, like let's say you have outboard gear and outboard preamps and those kinds of things, you know, twist the knobs, learn what they can do, experiment, push the gear really hard, back off on the gear a little bit, learn what all the controls do, learn what the piece of equipment can and cannot do. You may surprise yourself and find that by if you do something that's really out of the ordinary and you you push the you know the preamp for example uh, that you're recording into all of a sudden you get a wonderful nice just kind of a you know colored type of sound depending on the preamp. That's just one example, right? But le- learning and understanding your equipment that's another really big thing that we talk about during some of these consulting sessions that I do. A really big thing where people have gear and they have no idea how to use it. It really is shocking to me. And I said, well, did you read the manual? Who reads the manual? What are you, crazy? (laughs) I read the manuals all the time, even with plugins. You've seen me do it in some plugin demo videos. We get out the manual and I read you the manual like it's story time, right? Learn how to use the equipment. That's huge. You don't know how to use the equipment. You don't know how to hook it up if you won't break out the manual and learn how to do it. How in the world are you expecting to get a decent recording? By luck? So that's important. And again, I'm being sarcastic and trying to be a little humorous because I want to drill the point home. It's not as calm. It's not as obvious to everybody as you may think. So learn basic recording techniques and learn how to use your gear Number three, here it comes again. We say it almost every single episode because it pertains to mixing, it pertains to recording, it pertains to mastering, it pertains to everything in the whole part of recording, mixing, and mastering in music, and that's consider the room itself. Is it acoustically treated? If you have an environment, and we'll use an example of, let's say you're trying to record a drum kit, an acoustic drum kit in your home studio, is that drum room treated? Is it the right size room? Can you achieve a good recorded drum sound? Or does it make sense to go to a different space? You know, can you can you rent a larger space for a few hours or an afternoon if you want to record, say, drums? Again, I'm just using one example. Or maybe you have a bigger room with higher ceilings, something that you just can't pull off in your home studio. It's just one example. If you're recording electric guitar cabinets, and let's say you're recording, a, you know, a 412 Marshall, um, and you're recording a heavy rock kind of t- tone, where is that amp placed? And we talked about the microphone and we said, learn how to mic up the cabinet properly and experiment and find out where that microphone that you're using sounds best on the particular cabinet that you're miking up. But where is that cabinet physically located? Is it an untreated room? Is it it out in a garage where it's a sound bouncing off of all the walls and bouncing back into the capsule of the microphone? Or is it in an isolation booth where it's really dead and tight so you can get a really nice dead tight sound? All of that stuff matters. Consider the room. Certain rooms don't need to be treated as much as others, depending on what you're trying to record. Vocals is another one. Recording vocals. We've all heard of the vocal booth. Well, what is a vocal booth? Is it really dead and really sound, not soundproof, but sound absorbed, so it's really dead and quiet? That's preferable for certain things. Or is it in the middle of an open room? You know, kind of like your living room where there's some furniture and curtains and bookshelves and things that keep the the echo and the reverb and the slap back down to a minimum, but it's a little bit more live. So you hear a little bit of the room in the vocal. That's preferable for other things, depending on what you're doing. Do you have the proper room and or the proper treatment for what you want to record? Because it makes a huge difference, a big, big difference. Okay. So that's something to consider. And again, acoustic treatment of some kind, 
regardless of what you're doing, is always going to be better than having no acoustic treatment at all, even drums. Yes, even drums. Okay, so that's tip number three. Consider the room. Tip number four, here's an easy one. Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. You don't need, for example, 11, 15 microphones on an acoustic drum kit. You could easily get away with four. If you really know what you're doing, you can get away with two, depending on what you're trying to do, What depending on what kind of drum song you're going for. But if you had kick, snare, and a pair of overheads, or even a mono overhead to pick up the toms and the cymbals and the hi-hats, it's all you need. It's all you need. If you really want to learn about recording drums in the home studio environment, I have a, um, a course called Recording Drums Made Easy, where I show you seven or eight different miking techniques from one microphone all the way up to 10 microphones and everything in between. And we do it in a home studio environment, not a big room with an inexpensive drum kit and inex inexpensive microphones. It can be done, but it kind of bounces back to uh, tip number two or step number two, learn basic recording techniques, mic placement, all of that. It all has a big hand in that particular example, but keep it simple. You don't need to have 15 microphones. You don't need to have, you know, four sets of room mics. You'd be surprised how many times I get, you know, um, I'll, I'll mix a song for a client. They'll send me their recorded track, you know, their session and the drums will have Literally just 20, 30 microphones, <laughs> you know, there's kick in, kick out, snare, top, snare, bottom, high hat, two sets of overheads close to the drum kits, two sets of overheads way above the drum kit, room mics, close room mics, mid room, mic room mics, far room mics, mic tom one, two, and three. I've even got a session recently to not only mic the top of the tom, but also the bottom head of the toms. I've never saw that before. 25, 30 mics. Do you, can you even imagine how many phase problems and stuff are on that? Do you need all of that? No, you don't. You don't. So keep it simple. You don't need three or four microphones on a guitar cabinet. There's another example. It's a pretty common practice in major studios and a very classic way to record, say, rock guitar is to mic up a guitar cabinet with an SM57 and a ribbon mic, it's usually a Royer 121 or something of that effect, because the ribbon microphone is going to sound darker. The SM57 is going to have the more top end buzzy sound and you blend it together with two channels on the mixing board or in your DAW. Very common. That's a very common thing. Do you need to? No. Is that, do you need more than two? Absolutely not. Some of the greatest guitar tones that were recorded in history were recorded with one or two microphones. And by the way, not real expensive microphones. But I've had sessions where we have four to five microphones on the guitar cabinet. Or we have, you know, a basic pop rock song and we have 15 different guitar parts. And they're not all little flavorful little fill guitar parts. They're the same rhythm guitar recorded seven times or eight times, four panned hard left four panned hard right. <laughs> Complete overkill. It doesn't mean that that doesn't have a place. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do that from time to time if it calls for it. But when you're first starting out or you're new to recording, or if you have some limitations in your home studio, keep it simple. Okay. Start simple. And once you get really good raw sounds and you want to experiment, experiment. Everything I'm telling you here is a guideline, not an absolute rule, except for maybe the room itself. And even some people would say that's a guideline, but I don't agree with that. I think that's a rule when it comes to acoustic treatment. But 
keep things simple when you're first starting off. Okay? So those are four things that you should do. And if you do those four things, you'll have a good recording. Right? So in summary, use good quality equipment, especially things like microphone cables. We talked about this, or even guitar cables, but microphone cables, because you use more of those in the studio typically. We've talked about those in other podcasts. I'll say it again. Don't plug a $1,000 microphone into a $12 microphone cable into a $99 interface because you're wasting your money on that microphone. And I know there'll be people out there that will disagree. And I know there'll be people out there to say, I just did that exact thing and it sounds wonderful. I'm telling you more times than not, you're wasting your money when you do something like that. If you're going to have a good microphone and you should have a good microphone, doesn't need to be a thousand dollars. I use that as an example. Even if it was 500 bucks, you could still get a good quality microphone for $500. Okay. Don't get the cable to match the microphone, get the interface at the same quality level. Make sure you have good quality equipment and also make sure, by the way, I forgot to mention is that tip, you know, not only should the qual the, the, you know, the, the equipment of the, the quality of the equipment should be as good as possible, but it also needs to be performing at its optimum level. Keep things in tune, keep things in good repair. You know, if you're using tube amps, make sure you have tube, good tubes in your amplifier. When you're recording drums, make sure you change the drum heads and have good drum heads on your drums when you try to record drums. Make sure when you try to record electric guitar, acoustic guitar, you have a nice fresh set of strings. Make sure things are in tune, right? Make sure your instruments are in good working order. Make sure all of your equipment is in good working order. That's going to be helpful. So having good quality equipment is great. But if you don't maintain it and take care of it and record a lot with it over time, it's not going to sound as good as it could. Okay, so that was number one, number summary, number two, learn the basics of recording. That's, you know, makes sense. Again, whether it's here or somewhere else, you should be learning good basic recording techniques. And I have lots of training on that. Also, number three, again, to me, one of the big ones, consider the room. Make sure that what you're trying to record, you have the appropriate space for it, if at all possible, and really consider to make sure that you have it properly acoustically treated. And then lastly, number four, in, in all, keep it simple. Just keep it simple. You don't need big and fancy. You don't need tons of microphones. You don't need to spend an, un, an, unseen, an obscene amount of money on all your gear and all of your stuff, but you want good quality stuff, but just keep it simple. And if you do those four things, your recordings are going to be great. You're going to have great raw tracks to work from when we talk about um, mixing in other episodes. Right. And now, again, this is all predicated on the fact that you have good musicianship and good performance, too. Right. Because you can have the greatest quality equipment in the world. And if you can't play, it doesn't matter. Or if the artist that you're recording can't play, it doesn't matter. All you're going to have is a high quality sound recording of something that doesn't sound great because the artist isn't very good. <laughs> so that's a given. Right. OK, so those are my four tips to a better home recording in a home recording studio. So I want to thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. And like I said at the beginning, I want to give you a couple of free gifts. If this is your first time here, I'd like you to head out to homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And I have a free mixing course for you worth about 50 bucks. It's my gift to you just for visiting homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And also too, once you've taken that course, if you want to check out any of my other paid training courses on the website, and we have them all folks from recording to mixing to mastering, so on and so forth. I want to give you a 30% discount on a course of your choosing. Just use the coupon code podcast 30. 
That's podcast three zero at checkout in the little coupon box. It will take 30% off of any of the training courses on my website. Okay. So once again, thank you so much for listening here to the podcast. And again, leave comments below. Give me the thumbs up. All the details for everything I talked about in this episode are in the show notes below. And until next week's episode, I've been Dave with HomeRecordingMadeEasy.com. Thank you so much for listening and for your time. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.